Come on. Heather R. Younger is a JD, a CDP. She is a best-selling author, an international speaker, consultant, facilitator who has earned her reputation as the employee whisperer. She's the CEO of Employee Fanatics. And her newest book is The Art of Caring Leadership. And now, finally, a guest on Lifeblood Maximize. Welcome, Heather. Hello there. All right. Heather, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Ooh, so personal life. Well, I have uh, four children, ages uh, 10 to almost 18 now. Uh, so crazy, nutty life. I'm the only <laughs> child. So to have four kids is quite a task, let me just tell you. Um, I love to eat chocolate. I love to take walks. I love my dog. There you go. That's personal, right? Yeah, excellent. <laughs> Professionally. Um so uh, right now I, I lead an organization called uh, Employee Fanatics, where we really focus on helping organizations create uh, cultures of listening. Um, and we do that really through um, employee engagement survey, data aggregation, and listening sessions with employees on all kinds of topics, uh, DEI-focused things, non-DEI-focused things. Uh, and we also help in the leadership development space through coaching and leadership training. So a lot of lot of lot of things, but it's all really focused on how well are we listening? And how well are we listening? <laughs> yeah, that's that's an interesting one. So thinking about the work I do, I mean, there's some organizations that do the front end really well and not the back end of that process really well, which is really all the action and the planning and the communicating to employees. And some do it, you know, pepper it, pepper it out and do it pretty decently throughout. Um, but yeah, so we, we, we were working hard to help organizations get better at that, for sure. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I, I, I'm confident that everybody can always improve their listening skills. Even if we fancy ourselves to be good listeners, um, we can probably stray away from that and, and, and always need to bring it back. When you think about a company and as a leadership team becoming better listeners, how, 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 do, you, how do you start to sort of do that work? You mentioned surveys and things like that, but... Yeah, I mean, so if we if we start at the macro level, at the, at the organizational level, then the listening is like it is surveys and focus groups and roundtables with employees and um, cross-functional team meetings where you're listening all the time, stay interviews, exit interviews, like any time when you're listening actively to what's happening with current employees or those who are leaving. Um and so there'd be any way that you would do it. You would do it that way. That's the listening. And then, like I said, there's a whole process for this. Some of it I do get to get into in my book, but a lot of it's just in the process of the work we do. So there's the, there's that listening part. Then there's communicating to your team members, you know, what you heard when you listened. And then there's action planning that takes place. And how how are you actually going to go do about using the information for for changing something that mm -hmm. makes any difference to the employees? Uh, and then as you're deciding upon that, you're still looping in employees and involving them in the changes you're looking to make and in, in actually doing some of the changes, right, and planning on that and communicating it back to other employees or creating kind of ambassadors internally while you're doing it. Um, and then you are uh, you know, making sure that there's buy-in at the, the top levels and resources aligned to make sure if any change needs to happen, it's happening there. And then the, kind of the process starts all over. It's just it's an annual cycle and action is happening and communication is happening all between all the listening. It's a lot, uh, but it's good. It's really good. People feel like their voices are heard. People feel important, valued, and respected in this process. So it's it's amazing. Yeah, at I the think... leader. 
Oh, go ahead, go ahead. I think that that is a lot, and, and and I think that it is good. I think that's that's I think that that's really well said right there, right? And it's not that, that's hard. So it needs to be an organization that that that's committed to to playing the long game. So true, so true. I love the way you say that because I do. I have gone to the leader. There's been a leadership team I can think of who was really looking for results. So let's say an employee engagement survey or top workplaces survey, and they were looking for it quite immediately. And I just had to let them know that it was year two, year three is when we're going to see the biggest impact of all our efforts because we we were consistent. We we stayed the course. So you have a really good point there that you bring up there, George. Um, I was trying to be such a good listener and then I interrupted and I just did it again. I just did it again. So leadership. No, No, but you're amazing. And I was going to say, so I've been taking it down like a little bit more of a micro level because that's really what it is like macro, micro. So at the leader level, we all hear about active listening. We all hear about empathy. We all hear about kind of open body language. We all hear about, you know, kind of shaking your head and repeating back what you hear. And there's all these things and it sounds great, but are we doing it? Are we doing it? And are we doing it for the sake of saying we did it? Or are we doing it really because we care? Are mm. we doing it because we want to engage our people where they're at? And we want to really hear them. We want them to know they're heard. Um, we want to respond in ways that are meaningful to them, not just to us. And we see them as people who aren't just doing things for us and our team, but uh, that we're there to help grow them and elevate them and, and lift them. So, the, the, so as we sit with our people, um, it takes on a whole nother, when you think of it from that perspective, it takes on a whole nother life of its own, doesn't it? Because now I'm not just there trying to move forward a project or a process, but I really want to know where you're at. I want to know where you're at. I want to know where you're at in your shoes, what's happening at home. How is it impacting you here? What can I do for you? Um, And so when you get, when you're, when you're there and you go deeper, which is not very comfortable for a lot of leaders, because they're like, oh shoot, now I'm going to get in some HR space. Oh, shoot. Now I got to go do something about their parents or something. You know, it's all these things. Like, oh, shoot. And and yes, you kind of do. I, I had um, a team member of mine that was having a lot of issues related to mental health. And by the way, I've been there to myself, so I can completely empathize with her. Um, and it was happening like on a call that I was having with her. And I just said, yeah, I, I didn't go, well, where's the project that you had to get done? And like, what, what's happening with the thing? Right? I just said, you know what, stop right now what you're doing and just go for a walk. Stop right now. Like run, like take the rest of the day, like do whatever you have to do to get yourself right. Let me know what you need from me. Like, don't worry, just let it all go and go go on your way that way. Right. But that because I was listening with heart and ears to what it was that person was going through, what they needed. And I just put my needs aside in that moment. It's not easy to do. It's not, it's not easy for me to do. It's not easy for everybody to do because I'm a driver. I like to get things done. (laughs) Right. And I think a lot of leaders that way, we want to get things done. We want to succeed, but there's a counterbalance there. So I would say that that is a lot of it. And so just like I said at the macro level, though, as we're listening and we're taking it in, what kind of actions are we taking and how much are we communicating back to our people that the actions that we're taking and the things that actually like happened that were because of their voices? Because most of the time that's not happening. What happens is we, we may listen and we're like, oh, we actually did survey. We actually went and changed three things. Holy smokes, that's more than most organizations do. We never tell them that we acted because of their voices. We never tell them. We lose a huge opportunity for them, for us to know, for them to know that we care for them. Huge opportunity. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's such an important thing. And okay. Yeah. It just, just doing it is certainly extremely important. And, 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 and I, and I wonder what you think, uh, 
obviously I want an organization and I want the people that I am connected to to do something for all the right reasons and to be fully committed to it. But do I also want them to do it just because they know it's the right thing, even if they're not fully committed to it? Isn't that sort of good? Or do we, what do you think (laughs) about that? Yeah. I mean, we want people to do things because it's the right thing. Of course we do. You know, I mean, it's, I'm not a big fan of dotting the, uh, like we're doing this because it's, Within the framework, you know, right. Heather's listening process says we do it this way. Like, I mean, right. Um, but what I, what I find is if I can, if I can put, let people enter a process, like the journey into the process and I can feed them the quantitative and the qualitative, so I can feed them what we're hearing and the emotions behind it through stories and just through the information. I now start to build their empathy and now I touch their heart. And now we may just have a chance to change their, their heart and their minds and going forward. So it's not just the dot, the I, the cross, the T, it's in Heather's process. But it's actually, like you just said, it's, it is the right thing to do. So it's, it's making that additional connection to, okay, I intellectually get it, but... But if you can get the person to, I don't know, I I, I want to say something additional to start firing in their brain that sort of gets it. And it's like, oh, okay. Now, now I get it. Now I see the role that I can play, and it's connecting the empathy and the, um, what's the other word that I'm sort of searching for? I don't well, know. Well, it's, it's compassion. compassion, empathy, and compassion. Yeah, yeah. Because with em- empathy. Uh, the empathy is stepping into someone's shoes and really like sensing their needs like, and their feelings and compassion is doing something about it. Mm. It's basically it's going out of your way to alleviate the pain of another person. So empathy is not the action. It's the compassion. That's the action. I don't know that I knew that Heather and I fancy myself a, a bit of a grammarian. I did not know that compassion is sort of the, the empathy verb or the doing. It really is. Yeah. yeah. It's the action. That's awesome. Okay. Well, that's I think that that's that, that that's amazing right there. Okay. So, is there is is there a secret to? And you, you've you've probably already told me this, but I'm a little slow. I'm trying to I'm trying to be a good <laughs> listener. So how do I how do I inspire that in my in my leadership team or within my department if I am driving an initiative? Because I'm sure you come up against this all the time or run into this all the time where there's a couple of people within an organization that are super passionate about all of these things or some of them, but they say, you know, my CEO just doesn't get it or these people just don't get it. Um, I would say that uh, I think the biggest thing is, I I did kind of mention this earlier, which is this idea of storytelling. Here's what I've discovered in this last year in particular, post the George Floyd incident that happened is through all the stories that I am gathering and I am sharing with organizational leaders through the listening sessions we have and through the reports we provide and the, the kind of debriefing calls and stuff. Uh, and I, and as I lead them into this idea of how do we, how do we expand and socialize storytelling more to build empathy and to kind of tr- learn, have, help people learn and really put it in there. Like you, your lived experience is different from mine, right? How do you, how can you get to the point where you even have an inkling of what that experience is? Well, how I recommend you do it is through the stories. So if we can capture the stories in the organizations, um, inside the organizations, the good, the better and different, and we can share those about through all the audiences, 
then maybe those people who don't have the lived experiences, if they hear those stories, they can, we have the best chance of touching their hearts. So you talked about something earlier and you said you touch a different part of their brain. And I have a podcast called Leadership with Heart and the book is based upon that and it's all based upon heart and caring. And it's because I actually want to touch a part of your heart. So it is your head, yes, but it's really like, how do I get you to kind of lead a little bit more with that? And I think storytelling is a big part of that. If people just so much of we are so focused on our day to day. We are just running about doing all the things we have to do that for someone to like for us to pause and to listen to what's happening in someone else's life makes us go, what? Like what just happened to you last week here in my department or here in our organization? Holy smokes. No, there's something I have to do about that. So it makes me want to do more once I'm aware. But if I'm not aware I'm, pro- I'm not going to do, I'm probably not going to do a bunch unless I'm naturally an empathetic compassion. Some people are naturally that way, but other people we have to kind of work on their work on their heart a little bit. And that, it is, I think it is the role of the le- organizational leaders to do that. This episode is brought to you by Money Alignment Academy. If you are looking for a financial wellness platform for your company, your organization, and your employees, check out moneyalignmentacademy.com or click on the link in the notes of the show. So. Yeah, well, that that, 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 that that certainly makes sense to me. How do you how do you coach people or counsel organizations on for lack of a better term, on, on how to pick their spots? Or do you say, or, 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 or do they need to do that? We, 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 we live in a dynamic time where there are organizations that are super focused on DEI. There's organizations that are super focused on, on, on engagement. Um, I was just having a conversation the other day with an organization, and they said, well, we're really focused on financial literacy, but we're also really focused on Black History Month, and we're focused on this and this and this. And I thought, and I said to them, are, are, are you really driving initiatives with every single one of these things? And they said, yes, we're going to try and do that. And I said, okay, great. How, how, how do you think about that? You know, I, I, there's, there's an organization I'm working with right now, I think, that's doing a really good job. And I have to say, it's not it wasn't my intelligence that got them there on this particular thing. They decided to they decided to have a um, kind of like a three pillar prong for the next three to five years on a strategic. So they, and they are what they are for that organization. One of them does include kind of like this idea of inclusiveness or uh, DEI. And they so they did it at the highest levels of the organization. So here's my point here is that whatever you do, make it make it small. So make the make the focal points small. Uh, put them at the very top of the organization, not separate as a side of desk type of thing. So if it's going to be DEI financial literacy and one more thing, then just keep it right there and focus on that. And then you'll have tons of initiatives that fall beneath that. But make it strategic. Tie it to the strategic plan, not to some like separate DEI document, some separate financial literacy document and make it all a part of that. And then report on it, report on it consistently, um, you know, track it consistently. I am not naturally a data gal, like people who really know me from way back when be like, now, why are you talking about data? But here's why is because I know that the folks that run the organizations need they, they learn in most cases through the data. So the more we can, you know, focus that effort there and folks in HR and people like me who are like the bleeding hearts, right? If we can continue to feed the information up through storytelling, which is heart-based, but data-based by finding the data points and then constantly tracking and, and reporting on that, uh, then people start to see the real connection to the bottom line, connected to the, to the measurements in the front of the organization, the top of the organization, and not some, again, this ancillary thing that doesn't affect us or our stakeholders. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that certainly does make sense. That makes sense. Is there something, I mean, we've covered a lot of ground, and I think it's, um, is there something that, that you wish that more organizations knew that, 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 that you want to share or that, that, that they were thinking about, that organizations ought to be thinking about that they're not? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would probably say the biggest thing is, you know, it's good to have a good benefit system. It's good for your payroll system to be top notch. You know, it's good for you to have a good uh, employee mental health type of system process. But it, it boils down to this: people don't stay for processes necessarily. They they stay for the connection. They stay for um, people who care for them. They they stay for uh, people who hear them and truly see them as humans and for all the greatness that boils beneath the surface and helps release and, re- and reveal that for them. And so if you're an organization that does those things well, the systems and the processes just kind of support all of that. So don't make the systems and the processes come first. Make the people first and all of the greatness that is beneath the surface with them first. And then just make your focus in revealing and supporting that. And I think uh, you'll go much further. Yeah, I think that that's excellent. Do you think the people that 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 they start out sort of knowing that, but just minutia and day to day sort of beats that out of them? There may be some that that have I mean that have that where they just get really. I and mean, I think many leaders are bogged down in the day to day details. Uh, and so that it stops them from doing that. I, and so that it's like it takes their eye off the prize. I I have this way of leading myself in my own like self-leadership, in my own journey. And it's a, I think of it as a bullseye. And, and so that like no matter which distractions are around me, yes, I get put off course like every other human on this planet. But because I have this bullseye focus, this mission for me is is up like lifting everyone around me mm-hmm. and being the voice for those who don't have a voice for the, for themselves. Um, it makes it easier for me to focus. I'm just looking right now at this um, at this video straight up, and there's like a little bullseye, you know, the little camera that we have on our computer when we're doing the Zoom meetings. We're supposed to be staring at it. Well, it's kind of that way. It's kind of like that. I mean, it's it's real awkward just to be like. Um, but it's that idea is that it's right in front of you it's a bullseye and you're just like okay yep yep boom i just got hit yep there's a bullseye again it boom i got hit again and yep there's a bullseye again and so i'm i'm having this thing i call a mission that's bigger than myself it's right up front and it helps me stay really really focused so i think that for leaders if you can manage uh, manage to have that type of bullseye and to say to yourself no matter what the bullseye for me is people and while this project and these numbers are off and all this. If I can't sit with the people to find out what's happening with them, none of those numbers are going to change. They're just not. Yeah, I love it. Well, Heather, that that was a pretty solid one, but the people are ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? Difference-making tip. Well, I think the bullseye one was a big one because mm-hmm. it does help. I, I consider myself a, a pretty resilient person. Um, and so I'd say that I would say reframing is probably a real big difference making tip and reframing is really taking in a rational thought that you have or lots of irrational thoughts. We're right in the middle of a whole big pandemic where we have tons of irrational thoughts and it's taking those and flipping them on the head to create to, to move them into more rational more forward thinking more positive thinking things that are as a result of the thing we're talking about. So here's an example. Um, one time I was laid off from a job and I was like, oh my gosh, I've never been laid off before. Oh my gosh, this is so hard. Oh, oh no, I, I, can I pay my payment on my house? Oh, can I keep my kids in the school? And, and my head just started to spin. And that happened for about, 
a week. And then I, the, here's where, here's the, here's the difference making tip. Then I turn the switch on in my head and it's a switch that I have in my head uh, that I think that's there that I turn on and I say, up, oh, Heather. Okay. That happened. Now what? Well, you know what? I was at that place and I learned a lot. Oh my gosh. And I met so-and-so and so-and-so there. And I learned like five new skills there. And I got a severance. Like this is a really good opportunity for me. So the tip, I think the difference making there is being intentional about reframing what is happening to us right now and turning it into something that's more positive and then helping our people do the same. Well, I think that that is great stuff that definitely gets it. Come on. Come on. Heather, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you? Where can they get a copy of the new book, The Art of Caring Leadership? Well, you can find The Art of Caring Leadership on pretty much any book platform, but you know, Amazon. Uh, I do have a website called theartofcaringleadership.com. And so if you want to go there, I do have a whole bunch of book bundles that if you buy in different bulks and stuff, you get lots of cool freebies and giveaways. It's pretty awesome. Uh, and then you can always find me on LinkedIn. You just look up Heather Younger on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm pretty active on there. So I would say that would be a great place to just connect. I'd love to hear from you. Excellent. Well, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Heather your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to theartofcaringleadership.com the art and check out all the great resources Heather has on there and find her on LinkedIn as well. Heather R. Younger. I will list all of those in the notes of the show. Thanks again, Heather. Thanks, George. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together.